Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is November 12th. Today we begin a brand new Come Follow Me blog, which is the book of James. All the books of the book of James we're going to study this week. And the book of James is so significant to us as Latter-day Saints. So I'm excited to study it with you this week. It's interesting, the book of James was written by the half-brother of Jesus. Remember, we have multiple places in the scriptures where the Savior's half-siblings are listed out. And James is always listed first, which means he was probably the oldest of the half-siblings. But oftentimes people think that the book of James was written by James of the first presidency, right? Peter, James, and John. And so even though the book of James starts out by saying that it is James that's writing it, there's still a little bit of confusion as to authorship because there are multiple James. James is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Jacob. And so it's a very, very common name. And because of that, people confuse this a little bit, thinking that it was James of the First Presidency who wrote it, when in fact, based on kind of the timeline of things, it most likely wasn't. It most likely was James, the Savior's half-brother. What's interesting about this book of James and what's interesting about the half-brother of Jesus is that we're told in the book of John that the siblings or the brothers of Jesus weren't actually followers of Jesus. They weren't converted. And so during the Savior's ministry, they didn't follow him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't kind of gravitate to him like everyone else did. But we see later in the New Testament, when it talks about the Savior coming and visiting people after his death, it makes specific mention that he came to James, his brother. And that is really significant because James is eventually converted to Jesus Christ as the Savior and Redeemer, as that promised Messiah. And he becomes a really, really strong leader in this early Christian church. In fact, historians write of him as if he were the bishop of Jerusalem. And so that's really, really powerful, that conversion of James. What's interesting is that in verse one of James chapter one, he starts off by declaring who he is. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I love about that verse is that James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, doesn't name drop here. He doesn't say James, brother of Jesus. He refers to himself as servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, which shows so much humility. I love this because the kingdom of God really is kind of that great equalizer. When we catch a vision of the kingdom of God and when we experience this kind of conversion, we become one in Christ and unified in the work and in the kingdom of God. And James understands this perfectly. He doesn't start by saying, James, the half-brother of Jesus, He says, James, the servant, he understands what being one in Christ looks like. And I absolutely love that. Now, something else that's interesting about the book of James is we're going to see something very different than what we experienced in the book of Hebrews. Remember, Hebrews was Paul and he was kind of expounding on this big, long doctrine. He was trying to teach about this doctrine of salvation and he did it in a big, long sermon. Now we're going to see a total switch in the book of James, because in the book of James, he tries to teach more about, okay, you've been taught the doctrine of salvation. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? He tends to bring faith and works together in a really beautiful way. Oftentimes it's compared to the book of Proverbs, and he actually quotes Proverbs quite a bit. 
because it's less like this long flowing dissertation to prove one point, And it's more a bunch of individual thoughts and points that he's going to bring up and teach. And a lot of this is action based, which I really love. Okay, so let's jump into the book of James again. In the book of James, we just see all these little golden pieces of wisdom and knowledge. And so just kind of look for those Mark the phrases that you really love, the phrases that really stand out to you. It's easy to do with the book of James because it's not one big, long sermon. It's just these little pieces of wisdom and knowledge. So starting in verse two of James chapter one, he says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Now, Joseph Smith translation is going to change that to when you fall into many afflictions. So he's saying, count it as a joy when you have a lot of affliction. That's kind of one of those things that people say in testimony meetings, like, I'm so grateful for my trials. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, no, you're not. (laughs) Maybe I just think that. It's hard. It's hard to be grateful for trials. It's hard to be grateful for affliction. But look at what it says next. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So we can be grateful. We can find joy in affliction because it's in those afflictions that we develop faith and patience. It's kind of like when we need patience and we're like, oh, I don't want to pray for patience because then I'm going to have all these difficult experiences that are going to build my patience, right? That's what James is saying here. Be grateful for afflictions, for difficult things, because those difficult things when approached in faith lead to patience and faith. Now, We get to, in James chapter 1, such a powerful and such an important verse of scripture for Latter-day Saints. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed." Now, we're going to really dive into these verses, but let's kind of start out by what Bruce R. McConkie said about this verse. He said, this single verse of scripture has had a greater impact and a more far-reaching effect upon mankind than any other single sentence ever recorded by any prophet in any age. It may well be said that the crowning act of the ministry of James was not his martyrdom for the testimony of Jesus, But his recitation, as guided by the Holy Ghost, of these simple words, which led to the opening of the heavens in modern times. And it might well be added that every investigator of revealed truth stands at some time in the course of his search, in the place where Joseph Smith stood. He must turn to the Almighty and gain wisdom from God by revelation, if he is to gain a place on that straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. That is a very strong statement that Bruce R. McConkie makes, that this single verse of scripture has had greater impact and more far-reaching effect upon mankind than any other single sentence ever recorded by any prophet in any age. But it is true, because that statement, that scripture Remember what Joseph said about it. He said, Never did any passage of scripture come with more power to the heart of men than this did at this time to mine. It seemed to enter with great force into every feeling of my heart. Sometimes we picture Joseph as 
having a question and just kind of wondering for a minute or two and then reading this verse and then going out to the grove. But I don't think that that's how it happened. I think that there was quite a period of time, months of time, where he sat and he struggled and he worked with his questions. But what I like about his example is that he didn't just work with them and ponder on them and stew in them, but that he was in the scripture searching and being in the scripture, searching for answers, searching for understanding. He came across this verse. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And it entered into his heart with such great force that he said that he doesn't think that any scripture has ever hit anyone's heart more than this one has to his. My friends, there are amazing answers in this scripture, and we're going to dissect this scripture tomorrow. But for now, I want you to ask yourself a question. Is there wisdom that you are seeking? Are there answers that you are looking for that you haven't yet received? Are there things that you are hoping to know that you don't know yet? No, I'm not talking about the mysteries of God. I don't think God is telling us that he's going to reveal all his mysteries to us. But he does want us to know that there are answers to the questions of our souls, that he can share wisdom and insight, that we can pray to know truth and we can receive answers to those prayers. And so, my friends, I invite you to ponder what answers are you seeking? What wisdom are you needing? What knowledge are you searching for? Think that through. And then tomorrow, as we discuss what this scripture means and what God asks of us, we'll be better equipped to go to the Lord for answers to our questions, for the wisdom that we seek, and for the knowledge that we crave. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.